Hey, bestie. What's up, girl? Hey, does anyone ever ask you, like, oh, I heard you do a podcast. What's that witty and gritty podcast all about? Yeah, okay, so I usually spit out this robotic sentence that's, we help hardworking Christian women get the growth they want by giving them the tools they need in order to have more joyful and fulfilling lives. So that's usually what I say, but I'm also monotone. Y'all know this. And so it's just like, so Farron, what does that mean? Yes. Well, my response is not as fancy, even (laughs) though I've heard you say that lots of times I should know by now, but essentially I explain that we help people grow in their Christian lives and through their growth, then they can better fulfill God's calling on their life. Right. So we're book study experts and we know how to analyze, pull apart and take that through the Christian lens, and that's kind of what we do here. And so then sometimes people are like, yeah, your self-help books, and they might be mainstream, but we are always sure to bring it back to God and the biblical view. Right, so whether you see a secular book or something that a Christian author's written, just know that when you come here, you're going to get it through a biblical lens. And not just ours. I like that we incorporate interviews by people living out the principles. Yeah, that's for sure. So that's your little bonus if you stick around through the series, which yeah. I hope you will. Yay! Here we go! This is episode 169 of the Witty and Gritty podcast. We are in our mini-series all about how to win friends and influence people in the digital age. And today I get to interview my club soccer coach from back in the day, Lonnie Pollard. Hello, thanks for joining us today. So just tell us a little bit about you, your family, that kind of stuff. What you do, any of that. I'm 54 years old. And I got a wife, Debbie. We've been married for 22 years, 25 years. Mm-hmm. October 6, 96. I kind of did the math in my head. So, um, And I have two kids, Jacob. He's 23. He's a welder. And my daughter, who is 20, she is a junior at Tech. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm your average, pretty much average guy. I like to golf, fish, hunt. And do home projects um, for the wife. And do home projects. Yeah, I've been <laughs> busy on those this summer. I love so, it. So uh, I've I, I've been in a project management and account management, territory management for two large corporations uh, in the past. But for the past twelve years, I actually was teaching and coaching um, several different district, um, just building programs and coaching soccer and helping kids. Now I've taken another step. I'm going into the home building industry. The cool part about our mini series is we're talking about how everyone influence, has some sort of influence over somebody. So whether you're a parent and your kids or it's you're the boss and you have coworkers or subordinates, however that works. So it sounds like you've been in multiple roles doing multiple things and you're having right. to get everybody on the same page or everybody on board. And right. that's not always easy, especially yeah. if you know it's like 30 high school girls who all mm-hmm. like the same guy <laughs> yeah. or whatever's going on. So, yep. and Farron and I both have coaching experience. She has coached and taught younger and I've coached and taught older. So it's cool that you've done both because you coached me when I was how old? All the way up through high school. High school, yeah. But, Five, you're six, six years old? Yeah, all the way. Yeah. So <laughs> you've You've seen it all. Yeah. Just watching players grow. It's cool because you've gotten the opportunity to see little kids become adults who also have their own kids and starting their own lives. So you full circle, which is really neat. So we've heard that you're about your coaching experience and you have the specific skill set of flipping programs, whether that's with home stuff or corporate stuff or soccer stuff. 
you're able to take what is currently there and flip it to either streamline it or make it better in certain ways because you have been a successful coach. I'm a success story, so I can attest yeah. to that. <laughs> uh, so it's good to see that. If you are, so giving advice to someone who is the leader or stepping into that role, because we do have a lot of people who transition statuses during the summer, what would you say to them on how to mentally prepare themselves for getting everybody on the right ship? Um, I'll, number one, you have to have, uh, I believe you have to have strong convictions and in doing what is right not just for the program, but for the child, no matter how hard the decisions you make. Um, and you have to stick by those convictions through all the adversity, which, you know, as, as a coach, you've coached, there's a lot of adversity that comes with it. You have to be, you have to have the personality that you're going to be alone. A lot of times, um, you're going to have to have to, uh, be able to handle, again, adversity, um, because not everyone out there has a good agenda for you. I've been called names, shouted at for not giving an award that someone thought they deserved. You know, I've been called some profane names at banquets mm -hmm. by parents that have, have done things like that. And it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a tough, but you have to stick by your convictions and be strong in them and be able to understand that you're not there to make friends. Although I've made some great friends, uh, over the years, um, with parents and with kids and, you know, the kids growing up, um, but to stand by those convictions and, and understanding that you're, it's a, it's a lonely position being, the leader because and if you're not prepared for that um you know it, I, I assume it can be difficult if that's not your personality you have to be able to not uh allow allow negativity to creep in and affect your decisions you have to be able to take some of the uh frustrations that the kids may have uh, and try to turn into a positive, but also be able to take any kind of uh, frustrations and, and overlook those for the better of the team, unless they're very severe. And then you have to look at the person themselves, say, you know, this is a life lesson that they're going to take and understand the rest of their lives, no matter how hard it is, because the last thing I want to do is, is hurt or cut kids for being so negative that it can affect the credibility as a leadership. You have to have leadership role. You have to, you have to keep your credibility um, moving forward and, and some decisions, especially currently the last 10 years, things have changed so much as far as I guess you could say entitlement and things like that. I've personally noticed it. Uh, they're not as quick to jump on board and, and follow uh, your program expectations. Um, and when they don't, and you do make a hard decision, like sit a player for two games or even cut a player, it can be very, very, uh, very negative uh, coming off both from the parents and, and, and the children. So 
And you have to stick to those convictions no matter, you know, what kind of support you have from your administration. You know, it's, it's, it's just something that as far as leaders go, you have to be able to stick to your convictions, make good decisions. Uh, what is, what is, what is right? That's, that's the main thing. What you feel is right by the book, you know, yeah. by, you know, God's commandments, all that coming in, what's going to make that person better as right. they move forward in life, period. That's, that's the bottom line. And um, sometimes it, it can affect the team. Um, but if you're helping that player understand or that, that person, that kid understand that being right, doing what is right is better than yourself, is bigger than yourself. That's, that's, that was my main goal. And it's worked out pretty well. I agree. Yeah. Well, especially you can sleep at night knowing that you have stuck to your own through the Christian lens. This is a Christian podcast Right. as a leader or a boss. If you are a Christian, you should be upholding that moral code. And whenever there's that disconnect, you've got to fill in the gap. Like, Hey, this is why here's the big picture. Here are core mm-hmm. values. And if you're in yeah. a space where you can't necessarily say, Jesus says this, just right take the, change the verbiage a little bit. Right. Do, do your best effort. That is right. following along with, with everything Do it to the Lord, do it like right. the Lord. So mm-hmm. just tweak it a little and that's do your best. Okay. Right. We got it. So there are ways and loopholes around it. If you are feeling like you're stuck and you mentioned that leadership can be a lonely role because it is. And right. it's, it's hard to either vent down or make friends down like your downline or whoever that is whether it's mm-hmm. a co- like a subordinate in whatever position it is or a parent, right. like an adjacent lower not lower right. just so minding those circles like I'm sure you bonded with other head coaches where y'all all were able to be in the same circle troubleshoot things peer mediate when needed right. So right. finding those people and making sure <laughs> it helps when y'all's moral compass is aligned as well yeah so that's good. So each season looks differently. You experience school years or soccer seasons, just like everyone experiences their busy season. Or like if you're in the carpet industry, like summer's going to be busy. That's just right. kids. So how do you get your team to buy into what you're trying to do during those specific seasons? Like if you know it's crunch time, or we're ending the fiscal year, or we're going to start the new quarter. What? What would you try to do to get your team to get on board or buy in? So if you're teaching or coaching, that could look like, hey, we're about to start district. That's different than right. preseason, or we're about to go into playoffs, which is different than right. regular district. So what kind of things are you trying to say or do or teach in those transition moments where it gets a little more intense? Well, evaluation of what was in the beginning to where we are now. And what we've worked on all year, hopefully we, we, we try to cover those things um, throughout the year. But if there's specifics, obviously you want to say you, you're working on a, on a four-man diamond defense or, or whatever, whatever it is. You really want to focus in on those specifics um, and know your competition. You, you've always got to know your competition when you're in sales. You know, you go do competitive shops. Uh, at your customers' places or, or talk about what you're, see what your competitors are doing. 
um, you know, game, you watch film. Um, I didn't always rely on film because I always relied on, you know, you can watch film all day long as, as far as I'm concerned, especially with soccer. It's not like football or basketball. You can, you can pick out the key, the key things uh, and the key players and, and kind of, kind of see their, uh, see their habits on the field. Um, so we would watch a little bit of film. We wouldn't sit and watch a whole game because it's, we just, we just don't. Um, I th- think being on the field, working with each other, it's better, but getting, getting back to your point, um, is you focus on those specific things, you write them down. This is what we're working on. And you key in on those drills and, and, and practice sessions and training sessions, um, on those specific things, um, getting, and obviously depending on the talent you have, uh, <laughs> can throw a big loop in, in into that. Um, so that, that's, that's what I look at is evaluating, obviously during the preseason, obviously during the district, you pick up on key things. You, you tell them what's going on, what, what's your, what you're doing right. This is what we're doing wrong. We need to be stronger here. Uh, you may have to move some players around, um, who have, who have better strengths, you know, you need to go left on this guy. I'm going to put in a left, left footer, you know, what, whatever it may be, you, you just, you got to sit and think. And key in on those 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 uh, specifics, and um, just go from there. Work on those specific things, and, and tell the kids, "This is what I need you to do. I need you to do this. You know, if, we, if we're going to have a chance to score on this team, or, or, or beat this guy, or stop this guy, this is what you need to do." Now, buying in, you know, either. Sometimes they do or they don't. But, you know, if one or two players or whoever doesn't buy in, obviously you make that decision. Say, well, I'm going to switch him out because switch her out. They're not getting it done or not willing to get it done or they're not listening. They're not coachable. So a lot of that, that, that so much comes into play on that uh, to get kids to, to buy in. I guess you could, you could call it, um, some buying quick, some buying uh, not so quick. You're looking at the whole person too. You're not just looking at wins and losses. You're looking at yeah. can I teach them the skill set of compete because they're going to need that in ten years when they're mm-hmm. a sales rep and their sales manager needs them to be coachable and compete. And right. Have a strategy. I like how you talked about earlier. You mentioned writing down what you needed them to do and being specific and being direct. Like I need you to exactly what I need you to do. And some people I think as leaders can just, they should know, they should already know, but right. they might not know. So let's talk about how you do that goal setting process. So you mentioned you have a plan. You don't just, Hey, right. go try to sell some stuff or go try to right. market over here or go try to win this game. It's you no, know, we're being specific. We're not just going to, Take a guess. This isn't winging it. This is life. So we can't mm-hmm. just really wing everything. So what's your process uh, or blueprint of goal setting and expectations? So, and that could mean even for your own children or so you could talk as a parent role as a corporate guy or as a, as a teacher coach role. So what, how do you go about generally with goal setting processes and how do you set clear expectations and get them to remember and work at mm-hmm. it every day? Right. 
Um, well, goal setting, you know, I have, I have, I typically have my kids, um, I have them tell them about goals, you know, talk about goal setting, how it's important to set goals. And, you know, number one, they have to be realistic. Let's say, Brooke, uh, why don't you set a goal? I want to be able to dunk the basketball, you know, I'm 13. Five three. <laughs> okay, you're 5'3". Okay, let, let's be realistic, you know. You don't want to shut them down, but, you know, you got to have them set realistic goals. So I have them do, do for that year three personal goals, whether it be academic, you know, what, whatever. Um, academics is a huge part of my, my coaching forte as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I have them have to do three personal goals and three – three uh, athletic goals, you know, and I say your athletic goals don't, they don't have to be, you know, you, you want to have your shot at 75 miles per hour at the end of the, end of the season, whatever. It's like, I want to run, I ran a six, a, uh, I ran a five, six, 40 at the beginning of the year. I want to run a five, three. That's a realistic goal. How are you going to get there? You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta study how sprinters, you know, you want to get faster go study how sprinters, sprinters work out. You know, you've got to, you have to have them, you know, think about your goals, but set them go, let's write them down. Okay. You wrote your goals down. You're going to put them on your mirror every day or somewhere you can see them every day when you wake up and you're going to remember those goals. You're going to look at it because you, know, you write goals down and put them in a drawer. You're not looking at them. You're not, you're not seeing them. So write those goals down. Put them where you can see them every day. Then you break it down into, well, how do, how am I going to reach this goal? Well, obviously, if you don't know what you're doing, what do you do? You go talk to people that know what they're doing. Um, or in that specific goal set, you have to talk to people uh, who have that experience. Okay, just like a sprinter. If I want to get faster, I need to talk to a sprinter. Go talk to the track coach, you know. What kind of workouts do I need to be doing to get faster? Things like that. Because I'm not really a speed coach. I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a team coach. I'm not particularly, I know a few skills, but you know, they want, it's not, yeah, skills coach is not my specialty. It's, it's team strategy, but uh, to reach those, those personal goals, um, you have to write them down. And once they write them down, you know, we have a meeting and I'm like, well, how are all these, these, you know, your personal goals, we talk about those, your athletic goals now coming t- towards the team. How are all these going to combine to help us be a better team? And then I have them write down three goals they want for the team. You Other know? than self. And then we get all this together and we, we combine those and we, and we look at all these goals. We kind of put them in the same categories, you know, because a lot of kids have the same goal. We want to win district, you know, want to make play, you know. Okay. So we put those together, we write them down. And then as a team, we say, let's pick the three most realistic goals we can to improve. Because that's what we're looking at is just improving the program. It doesn't happen overnight, you know. Um, although, you know, not overnight, but, you know, some programs I went into are very successful and, you know, within one year, getting those teams winning and making playoffs or or, but it depends on the culture. And once you get that culture to understand 
it's not just going to happen when I step on the field. I'm just going to go out there and play. It's going to happen. That you have to have goals. You have to have to uh, have to follow those goals. Have to follow that path towards that goal, and uh, eventually it'll get there. Importance of writing goals, and I like that you brought the whole team into it too. It wasn't just like you, the leader, saying we're doing this, this, this. Right. That, that does not help with buy-in. So you actually right. took their feedback. And you listen to the feedback, which nobody likes it when a boss is like, fill out this survey and then does nothing with it. So if you're a leader, you're in a leadership role, you know that you're going to have to have people right under you that have got your back and that are going to go on mission for the same thing you're doing. So for soccer, that could look like captains or for business world, that could look like your number one sales guy or the guy who's bringing in the most or it might be the person who's like the glue of the of the of the team. If you can get those people to buy in and on board and be a leader, then that mm-hmm. helps trickle down effect. So right, right. How, so once we've talked a little bit about leading leaders, but how do you how do you train them? Is there anything specific or main points you want to really drive home with those people? Is it back to the whole goal, or is it just like reinforcing what you're saying, or how does that look? Well, you know, I just express, you know. Obviously, I meet with meet with my assistant coaches, and, and you know, we just express what what we're looking to do, how the program runs, the expectations, and, and you know, I've, I've had those for forever, and I, I take those everywhere I go. Um, I don't have them here in front of me, but you know, the expectations, and you know, I give them a list. These are just you know my expectations for an assistant coach, or my expectations for a team captain. Um, and you sit down, and you talk talk to them about it, and. You know, with assistant coaches, you you expect them to be professional. So I tell them, look, there's going to be days where I have to go meet with my AD. Or there's going to be days where, you know, I got behind on planning. And I need you to have a backup plan. Or I'm going to need you to cover. You know, just those expectations and helping them understand that, you know, even as a leader or a head coach, things happen and either I'm not going to be there or or – or something comes up where we're supposed to be there. Here's my practice plan. If you want to do something else close to this, you know, do that. Because you know, in coaching, everything changes. You know, things can change on a, a weekly basis with facilities usage and, and um, whatever it may be. Um, but you just got to sit them down and tell them, that you're, you know, we're a team here. Um, as long as you're, you know, meeting these expectations, doing your best, you know, it's, it's, it's going to work out fine. Some of my clinics I took, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the instructors, uh, some of the best advice I got is, is, is learning from other coaches, you know, no matter how experienced or inexperienced, they're, they're always going to have something that you haven't covered or they're always going to have an idea that you haven't seen. So that's what I like to do. I like to give my assistants a little more leeway in the coaching and learn from them, maybe tweak something they aren't doing that I feel they should be doing or pick up on something. When you do pick up on something good and they're doing something really good that you feel is, is good for the team, you know, it's always about, you know, giving credit, praise, you know, hey, good job. You know, I stand in front of your team and say, what do y'all think about what I did today? It's like, you know, this is Coach, this is Coach, uh, this is Brooks, this is Brooks' idea. Do y'all like that? Because if you do, we're going to use it some more. I really, you know. And when they buy in, you know, as far as they see the head coach trusting that person, 
and they're on the same page, then they're like, well, we better get on the same page too. Yeah. Now, Kathleen, Captain's kids, it's a lot different, you know. Um, obviously, you want a, a player that's that's there and competitive. Number one, they they go out and they bring it to practice every day, and they show up every day, and they have you know have strong convictions as well. Um, either choosing the captain yourself or um, allowing kids to do it, which is what I like to do because kids are gonna kids are gonna follow that natural leader. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They, they you know they're they're competitive. They're they're outspoken. They're almost you know. But the the, the thing that kids don't have is yet is that realization that yeah when you're team captain you're you're kind of the coach's right hand man yeah and there's going to be some times where you're going to be lonely you're if it's a leadership position are you prepared for this because if you're not you know it can be very tough it can be very and it's happened before you know i picked a captain that i thought would do well and you know they they just wanted to compete you know they wanted to compete. They, they were, didn't have that leadership personality to speak up when they needed to speak up on the team if they're not playing well or whatever. So, again, expectations for captains, kind of the expectations for the assistant coaches. Um, you know, you've got to follow our lead. Mm-hmm. And once they know they're on board, but and you have to be a liaison you know, with what's going on with the team to the head coach or is there, what are you hearing? You know, there's things we have to know that's going on within the team because you've coached. It's easy to see when there's some kind of drama going on and things aren't going well. Something's happening. Something's happening in the locker room that that we need to know about. Somebody's talking about something, whatever it is. So Mm -hmm. we try to face those issues there. But yeah, it's it's just laying out those expectations and giving them that leeway um, because the leadership role is about building other leaders and building other, other people up. And if you're always saying, well, you do this, 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 and this, this is what you got to do, 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 do. They're just going to be followers yeah. the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. They're not going to take that initiative to step into a position and, you know, be an advocate for themselves. Um right. Not just on the team, but in life. You know, it's like, you know, leadership is part of leadership is I feel part of leadership is when you feel something isn't working or you feel something could be better, part of that leadership is going to your leader and saying, Look, this isn't working. This is what I need. Blah blah, you know, whatever whatever it may be. And a lot of kids don't advocate for themselves. They'll just They'll shove it down yeah. and they'll hold it in for, you know, however long until, you know, it explodes. On game so day. <laughs> having that open door policy and saying, look, if there's something wrong, you need to come talk to me, whatever it is, you know, and I'll listen. We'll work it out. You know, get it off your chest, find some solutions. And that's part of being a leader as well. Hey, I'm, you have to be open to talk to everybody about everything, yep. no matter what it is. So. Okay, we've talked about how adversity is going to come, no matter what. It's coming for everybody on this side of heaven, right? So, mm-hmm. how did so 
and you've talked about leadership is lonely, all that sort of stuff. So what do you do when adversity comes? Like, what do you do personally as the leader? And then how do you help your team overcome as well? I'm trying to think of an example. You know, obviously the, the, the best example I could think of recently was losing those three players, um, you know, cause it was a big hit. Not only on the team, it was a big hit on me because we were growing numbers, you know, we were, we were, our program was growing in the right direction. And I was looking forward to really, you know, we may not have made the playoffs, but like, we're going to win more games. We're going to be better. When that hits, you're like, as a head coach, and, and it's like, you got to be realistic about your team. And when that adversity hits, you got to, sometimes you just have to accept that you can't change what is happening. You have to accept it. You have to be able to take it on. This is going to be bad this year, you know, but you can't, you can't push that out to the team, like in a negative, negative manner. You have to be honest with them, be upfront with them uh, in, the, in the most positive aspect you can. And I guess what I did is like, well, you know, we're going to pull some players up from JV and we're going to, work through this season as best we can. Um, what are some other goals we can set? Well, let's, let's, you know, let's, instead of winning games, let's, let's break. Let's, uh, I think one of them was, we had this many goals scored us on last year. Let's work on our defense because now our offense is going to struggle. We have to really work on defense. Let's, let's stop the bleeding on getting goals scored. against us. Let's lower our goals against average. And we did that. That 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 was a, a goal that they hit. But you know, when you get into those losing losing games and you're 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 losing and it really starts affecting the uh the uh the, the emotions and the morale, you know, you, as a leader, you just have to step up and say, Look, I love you girls. Well, you know, I love you kids. We're going to we're gonna keep playing. You know, win or lose, we're gonna keep playing. I cried with them. <laughs> I mean, because it, it, it was just seeing them be so defeated. That was like the sixth or seventh game in, in district, and they were they were just defeated, crying. Was, but letting them know that you're on that same page and you're feeling the same way, you know. Yeah. After that that little breakdown, after that game, um, things were back to normal. Then you know, came back in and say, look. You know, we all had, we all, we're all feeling it, but we're together. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to just press on. We're going to fight and we're going to keep competing and, and not give up. And you're going to feel better about fighting all the way through instead of giving up and accepting loss. Yeah. You know, well, and everything you just quoted, like press on fight, keep competing, never give up. Those are all verses in the Bible. So if you're just, mm-hmm. okay, guys, Philippians 4 thir- or 3.14 is press on towards the goal, but you don't have to be like, it's in the Bible. But all of the mm-hmm. advice you're giving, it works even if you're not a Jesus fan. Like you're still going right. to press on. We're still going to do hard things. And the mm-hmm. promise is we're not going to give up because this is what we are here to do. We're not going to just quit. We're not just going to give up. 
we're going to work through the hard stuff because later on we can reflect and see how far we've come. Yeah. And like you said, you know, later on, I try to tell my kids, look, this may seem like the most important thing in your life right now, which it probably is, a, you know, at that moment. Right. You know, and it's, it's, it goes into the whole, whole gamut of, of athletics, the awards and things like that. I mean, it's great at that time. I mean, you, you'd been over to my house when we were playing club, when we had our team dinners and saw all the trophies mm-hmm. that I had in my office. You know, I just had hundreds and, you know, I, I got awards too. And, and I haven't looked at them in I don't know how long, you mm-hmm. know, because what the best thing about coaching and playing is building those memories and going through that adversity with other people who are on your side and looking back and say, you know what? Was it really that big of a deal? Right. <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, you know how competitive I am. I love the win. Oh yeah. But and it's taken me a long time to to. It's taken me a long time to realize. Now at fifty four, it's like man. I was pretty hard on some kids, but y'all turned out all right. Yeah. You know, I think I was I was overly y'all turned out really good. I don't think I was overly tough on y'all, but you know, I was just a head coach. You're going to say some things that that uh, that you may have some regrets on later on, um, maybe too hard just because I was so competitive. Um, not that I don't still love to win, but, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, I guess, you know, your college and pro, whatever, whatever your, your, your job depends on winning and things have changed so much that, um, just in the last 10 years, which, which, you know, athletics, I don't see kids near as competitive as they used to be. They want to go out and have fun. And, and that's what I try to do is make it as fun as possible while still trying to build that competitive nature. So you still have to coach. You still have to be, be, be tough on them and, 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 and make, make tough decisions. But, uh, all together, it's, 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 uh, facing that adversity together and looking back, like you said, later on, why you look back? So I made it through that, you know, we made it through a horrible season, but man, we, we had fun. Yeah. You know, so. That's good. I like how you're using we language too. Like we're yeah. in it. It is what it is. And the power of reflection, we can look back and see these are still wins. We can find mm-hmm. all the little wins along the way. Right. Okay, so to wrap up the interview, is there anything that we didn't tee you up for that you wanted to say or a point that you really wanted to drive home? If you're giving advice to someone who is the leader, is there any last comment you want to say to them specifically? Just enjoy the time you have with those kids or or with your team. Enjoy the time because it's something you can't get back. Um, don't make it a life or death situation because there's always tomorrow to make things better. Um, you know, I guess on the, on the, on the work side of of life, yes, do your job, do the best of your ability, um, control the things you can because there's so many things you can't control and tomorrow's another day and 
good things will happen if you keep 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 at it and, and perseverance. And you know, on the coaching side or the playing side, um, just set those goals. Be disciplined in what you want. Do what makes you happy. Okay. In a team environment, though, you can't do it all for yourself. You have to do it for the team. You have to do it for the team, whether it's sitting on a bench, you know, encouraging players, making jokes with your team, keeping everybody, you know, that's part of a team process. Everybody plays a role. So just just try to make every day the best it can be. Try to be positive because negativity in the end, just, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. It's, it's, it's try to make every day the best it can be and live your best life. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lonnie, for coming on the show. And we are so thankful and lots of good advice. Everyone needs to listen to this at least three times to soak it all in because there were so many good points to remember. Thanks, Brooke. So we're, we're really good at segues. and sound effects right (laughs) yes so that's the end of our episode but if you find yourself wanting more and who could blame you Brooke (laughs) tell them where they can find us Monday through Friday we have a lovely website it's wittyandgritty.blog you can go there it has every mini series ever we've done what about the socials Farron yes we are on Instagram and Facebook primarily but we do also have um, a Pinterest account so be sure to follow us on your favorite social platform yeah oh also fun fact we release episodes every Wednesday so you can count on us be sure to subscribe that way you don't have to go and find it every week yeah, it'll just automatically do the magic m- computery thingy. Thank you, technology. Go Thank you. technologies and uh, Instagrams. Yes. All right, we'll catch you next week, guys. Bye. This episode is brought to you by the Witty and Gritty 5-Minute Mini Journal. It's centered around Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, known as the Armor of God. Once you download this freebie, over the next seven days, take a few minutes each day and dive into what the armor of God is and why it's important to Christians in their daily walk. You can find this at wittyandgritty.blog. We'll link it in the show notes.